Hi, everyone. This is Dennis jumping in here real quick to let you know that Sam and I are taking the next couple of weeks off of putting out new episodes of Fate's Wide Wheel. We got some other exciting things going on in our lives. Uh, For Sam's part, he is the co-host of another podcast called the King of Pro Wrestling Podcast, which covers the New Japan Pro Wrestling Circuit. And they have the uh, StarCast convention coming up in Chicago, Uh, they being uh, their podcast. They're going to be on Podcast Row there. And so they've got a couple panels. they got a lot of great programming lined up. If you're into wrestling, uh, go go check them out. They are really active on Twitter, and you can find them at KOPW72, KOPW72. Find them on there. Find more information out about them. Uh, and as for my part, I have a new podcast launching myself called Dad to the Future, which is um, my thoughts on being a dad, fatherhood, and my own time travel nerdery. That's going to be launching next week. I'm going to have four or five episodes already in the can launching all at once. I hope you'll check that out. And you can find more information about that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Dad to the Future spelled out or dadtothefuture.com. That'll be coming up in the next few days. And as for Fate's Wide Wheel, we're also going to be taking this time to tweak our format a little bit so that we bring in our conversations a little bit more streamlined because we know we tend to get a little bit verbose in our conversations. So we're going to try to shorten those up for you for your listening pleasure. In the meantime, we are going to do a throwback episode. We're going to post one from the archives from almost a year ago. Uh, one of our favorite episodes with one of our favorite return guests, Christopher J. Stewart, Chris Stewart. This was his first time guesting on the podcast for the first season episode color of truth so we're going to reshare that episode with you we hope you enjoy and we'll see you again in a couple weeks welcome to fate's wide wheel a quantum leap podcast with sam and dennis we are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at project quantum leap but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at fate's wide wheel and please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on itunes here we are back at project quantum leap and uh, want to start this one off by immediately saying that this is unlike any other episode that we have talked about so far for many, many reasons. Um, obviously, Sam having leapt into a black man uh, is, is completely different from anything that we had seen before. Uh, and we'll talk a lot about the context of that as we go on. But the tone of the episode is also incredibly different. There have been dramatic moments. There have been moments of, you know, some passionate, heartfelt, uh, you know, speeches by Sam even. Um, but this is, this is really the first dramatic episode of the series, I would argue. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it is also the first great episode of the series, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Having literally just rewatched the episode a few hours ago, um, it holds up to this day for all the right reasons and all the wrong reasons. And we're not going to shy away from talking about any of those reasons. And I think it's an incredibly important episode 
it was important in 1989, and unfortunately, it's important in 2017. So we are uh, joined again by our our, our guest, um, Chris, and Chris, you're a black man. Ah, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 you know, I normally wouldn't bring that up. Wouldn't. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it it doesn't matter. And yet at this in this episode uh, and talking about this episode, it does matter. So um, I think speaking on behalf of both Dennis and I, thank you so much for joining us specifically for this episode. Um, I mean, obviously, you were here with us on Double Identity as well. Uh Um, And, you know, thrilled to have you in general. But again, um, we just we're we're grateful that that you're going to be able to be here to talk about this episode because we're two white guys yep. <laughs> and, uh, and at the end of the day, there's only so much that we can add to this episode. That's um, cool. I mean, I'm sure it'll get deep, but I'll lighten it up. Spot <laughs> we can play a little game called spot the racist asshole. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> right. Yes. The good old boy in the Confederate flag <laughs> for 300 Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go ahead. Well, well, you know, all of that preamble aside, let's jump into the episode how we normally would. Um, Sam has arrived. Mm. And as we mentioned in our last episode, the leap does not match entirely with what we got at the end of Double Identity. Because in Double Identity, he's sitting at the counter. Mm. He's got, you know, the stares from everybody in, in the restaurant. And he looks in the mirror and he sees himself. But at the beginning of this episode, you know, after getting the common first season sort of filling in the gaps like this is me and I've done all of these leaps and you mm-hmm. know experiment with a little caca uh we see Sam standing in you know inside a restaurant close to the door mm-hmm. he kind of looks around people are sort of looking at him but nothing mm-hmm. too out of the ordinary he walks up to the counter mm-hmm. as he gets to the counter more yeah. people start well, to yeah look even at like him. he even has like the this uh the voiceover like narration of so like oh well here I don't know what I'm do might as well sit down and have me some lunch yeah yeah and and he and, you know and he does he sits down mm-hmm. and right between the point of like sitting down and actually sitting down that's when everybody in the restaurant looks at him like what it, what is happening I mm-hmm. called it the record skip moment yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. you did you did and that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. uh, and he sits down and then he looks up and he realizes and. Uh, that you know he's black man, and um, I think at that moment I was just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, because <laughs> well, I knew exactly what was going on, <laughs> and even seeing like the expressions on the faces of some of the people, uh, you know, in particular the the good old boy committee that's sitting in the booth, kind of behind him, mm-hmm. um, and he has, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, oh, shit, I might have to use that. <laughs> Next time I see some racist marches, I'm gonna be like, ah, shit, it's the good old boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That's right. You know, the, the brain of fifty equals one. Um, but anyway, the the he, he looks across. You know, he notices that he is a black man, and then um, the woman behind the counter, uh, kind of in a way, kind of tries to help him out of the situation a little bit. Mm. Um, I, think, I think that's kind of an understatement. She saved his motherfucking life. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're right. Because mm-hmm. the two red, uh, yeah, because two of the rednecks whose name we'll learn later on, like they jump up, yeah, and, and they're, I mean, they're ready to basically murder him right yeah. there. And, and she makes a comment like, "I, I don't want to be clean cleaning up, up any blood." blood. Yeah. And, and Sam's like, "Oh no, you don't." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and so she ends up handing him um, 
uh, sack Ms. lunch yeah. for Miss Melanie. Miss Melanie, and uh, and and kind of helps Sam exit. Uh, before Toad and Billy Joe yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are able to to cause any harm, um, he, he you know he's standing outside, and this is that moment, Chris, before we started when when you you asked that you know let's count the Confederate flag. Oh yeah, let's mm-hmm. count the Confederate flag. The second he steps out, yeah, everybody in the room was like, oh shit, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four. Ah fuck, yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, and the thing is, and this is one of the things that I think is remarkable about the episode on the whole, I, and, and I honestly, I believe this, is that it, it approaches all of these situations with a certain honesty, which is not always comfortable, certainly not comforting, mm-hmm. but is honest, and that is, there's, there's no, like, close-up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they zoom in on the flag and it's like, oh, we're in that town. Mm-hmm. They're just there. And in my opinion, that makes them even more powerful. That makes it more powerful. I mean, I mean right? also to, to keep in context of the time, like the Confederate flag being on display has really only become like controversial in the last 15, 20 years. And this sure. episode aired like 30 years well, let's ago. Face it, 1989, we're not too far removed from a television show that celebrated an automobile that had that on its on its roof. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Dukes. I was it. just thinking that. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it was still fairly commonplace. I mean, you would go. You if you turned on NASCAR in 1989, you were going to see them all over the place. Fuck, dude! If you turn on NASCAR, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, but but there is, I guess, the, the maybe that's my 2017 eyes mm-hmm. thinking about it and taking it in. That there is a sort of a, I don't want to say nonchalance because that's not true at all. But we were saying like, yeah, we were saying like even even before we when we brought it up, even before we hit record, like watching this episode, those flags did not jump out at me at all. There was a flag on the wall in the bar in Starcrossed, which jumped out at me like a sore thumb because like. To, to me, it's like you only dis- in my 2017 sensibility. You only display a Confederate flag in a piece of art if you're trying to convey a point, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or you're just insensitive, or or and completely naive, or or that as well. Um, but yeah, I, 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 there is something about just seeing them, you know, there mm-hmm. on, on display no without deal. being singled out. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the black people are just like, eh. right, <laughs> right. Well, and you know, it's interesting you say that because, and we'll get to this later. But it's interesting seeing how the other black characters uh, deal with um, with Sam. And you know, let's uh, let's take a quick pause because one thing that we didn't do that we normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, so? The name of this episode is "The Color of Truth." It was written by Deborah Pratt. Uh, it was directed by Michael Vayar. Uh, the air date was May third, nineteen eighty nine. The leap date is August sixth, nineteen fifty five, in Red Dog, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And Sam has leapt into Jesse Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the uh, the other characters, Jesse's family in particular, who we'll meet later, we'll talk about their reactions to this particular moment of Jesse sitting down at the counter. Cause I think it's a very interesting, the different reactions that they have. Mm. Um, but anyway, as he walks outside, you know, we we're, we're, we're clearly in a small town in the South. We've got mm-hmm. the flags, you know, hanging from, from pretty much every building. Uh, as Sam is standing there, he sees a, an older woman kind of beckoning him mm-hmm. across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that turns out to be Miss Melanie. Mm-hmm. They jump back. There is a moment where he sees himself in, uh, in the reflection of the diner again, where he, he does the, 
the, the Southern thing takes out his handkerchief, rubs the back of his neck and all that. Right. Um, and I, I, this episode, it seems like we get a lot more mirror shots. We do. Well, and, and the other thing... I, is, I, think, I think that's just to remind, like, the, the casual viewer just happening to be tuning in halfway through, this is the situation that, that Sam is in. And most of those mirror shots, as we've talked about, like, uh, when we're talking about how the test was won, we were discussing about how some of the shots in that episode ended up being sort of iconic images in the history of the show because they Mm -hmm. got reused in the, um, um, the opening credits. credits, Yeah. And, uh, the mirror images of him and Jesse, the first two in particular, the one that you're just talking about now and the first one where he looks across the diner, those get used a lot. They're very much iconic images Mm -hmm. in, in the history of the show. Um, because they're used in the opening credits for the whole run duration. Yeah. Um, but so, so he has this moment, Miss Melanie's beckoning him over. Uh, he, he gets over, hands the lunch off to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because there's definitely a, a sort of hierarchy in this relationship, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's not overtly, you don't like it's not an overtly racist sort of relationship. Yeah, I, I didn't feel that it was overtly racist at all. It was just she's clearly the boss and he's clearly the servant. Right. In this shitty time in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and and she's definitely short with him on a couple of occasions, and mm-hmm. she's kind of ordering him around and bossing him around. Um, but yeah, never never once does it seem too malevolent. You know, she's not like. Mm-hmm. Um, putting him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's definitely upset that he hasn't kept the car cool, or right. you know this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is this interesting sort of first glimpse that, that we get of her character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To throw a moment of of levity into it, and it, it's interesting because his name is Jesse. And the first time we're introduced to Miss Melanie, like she's shouting across the street, Jesse, Jesse Tyler. Watch Family Guy? No. Well, I mean... Uh, the old pedophile who makes recurring appearances throughout the thing, his dog's name is Jesse. That's right. And when he calls Jesse the dog in Family Guy, just tonally, vocally, it sounds very similar oh, to when she really shouts does. Jesse. It really does. Mm-hmm. Well, so now every time I watch that, I'm going to be thinking of that. Well, thank you. Oh. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Um, so they, yeah, so they've got this moment of, of him getting her into the car. She's hot. She wants to, you know, to to, to leave. And um, and there's this great moment because I we've we've certainly seen instances where Sam doesn't know necessarily what to do, but there's never. Since the pilot episode, I would argue, this is really the first time where we get kind of an extended period of Sam just being like, I don't not, not only do I not know what to do, I don't know how to fake it because she wants to get somewhere and he has no idea where she's Mm -hmm. going. And so he's trying to sort of figure out, you know, what do I, and he's like bumped his head on the mirror. And so he's like using that as like an excuse to Mm -hmm. like, like, ah, you know, I don't remember too well. And I don't Mm -hmm. know. I've had the damnedest time remembering things, yeah, which elicits uh, her chastising him for using such strong language. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Damnedest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which is funny 
in the context of the episode as a whole, we'll mm-hmm. get to that later, but you're right. She does hypnoticism yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually she tells him, you know, where the cemetery is, take the left at Magnolia and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they drive off to the cemetery, mm-hmm. uh, because she wants to go see her late husband's grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, before this happens, um, she's referring to Charles, and we have to go see Charles, we have to go see Charles. Mm-hmm. And and I think as the viewer, you even kind of get the sense, it's like, oh, they're going to go see Charles. And then you realize, like, oh, Charles is dead. Mm-hmm. But she's not, like, the way that she speaks about him, to her, I think he's still present in a way. Oh, absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that I think, you know, plays out in a various ways throughout the episode. Um, but they get to the cemetery, they go up and immediately she's upset because the, it's overgrown with weeds. Mm -hmm. Um, and she gets down and she's got her white gloves on and she gets ready to start pulling these weeds. And there's this really sweet, incredible moment. And again, it's one of the most iconic images Mm -hmm. of the show when he bends down to help her and takes her hands. And, you know, we see it, as Sam, who is white, mm. with Miss Melanie, who is white, mm. you know, grabbing her hands and her gloves. And if you allow yourself, I think, for a moment to not see Sam as Sam, but to see Jesse Tyler mm. and let your imagination do the work, it makes the moment even more touching. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And she's not upset. She doesn't get, she's very grateful mm. to him. I mean, not just the, the, the difference in race is the fact that they are both elderly people, mm, mm-hmm. which you kind of lose with the fact, like seeing Scott Bakula in this, in this moment instead of, yeah, instead of, uh, the actor playing Jesse, which we've talked about before in previous episodes. I always thought it would be interesting for like, if they were to do some shots where instead of showing Scott Bakula, like briefly show the other actor in the role so that you saw, you saw Sam for who everybody else was seeing and not just in a mirror shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would have been very interesting had they kind of gone that way. I mean, uh, we talked about before, who knows, you know, budget, production, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, whatever. For sure. Um, Not wanting to confuse the audience, but yeah. Yeah. But it, but it is a really beautiful moment, and the music matches the moment very well. Uh, Sam pulls up all these weeds, and, and then there's, there is kind of the slightest bit of comedy where he doesn't know what to do with the weeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something about there's not a trash can. Yeah, there's a trash can, and then uh, this is when Al shows up yeah. for the first time, and he gives a little bit of trivia, like the you know the pitching campaign didn't start until the 70s. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and he's wearing uh, an Al original in this mm-hmm. one, the oh, purple. Wow, yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. everybody, when we were watching the episode, because Chris and I watched it, and his girlfriend Nicole and my wife Jessica, we're all watching the episode, and as soon as Al walks on the screen, and I've seen the episode numerous times, they had never seen it before, and so when Al walks on the screen, all three of them were like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just saw Double Identity, where he's wearing Hawaiian shirt and yeah, shorts, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to, you know, not not sweat his ass off or trying not to freeze to death. And yeah. now, now this is the owl we know and love. <laughs> um, and so there's a great, there's you know, there's a great conversation between the two of them. Um, well, this is yeah, this is where um, uh, Sam expresses. Uh, surprise and happiness that he is capable of of leaping into a black man, and if he can leap into a black man, the possibilities are endless. Well, and as much as it, you know, as much as this scene, this scene, in my opinion, between the two of them, tells us more about Al than it does anything. Because mm-hmm. Al's got this great moment where, like, you know, Sam's like, "I'm black," and Al's like, 
so yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just it's kind of it's kind of cool you mm-hmm. know like Al's just like completely nonplussed by it he's like and I actually felt the same way uh, I was actually kind of surprised that Sam was uh, taken aback by not taken aback that he was surprised that he would be able to leap into a black man I was mostly just like why wouldn't you be able to right mm-hmm. you were, yeah yeah uh, absolutely. Well, because at this point he's bouncing around time yeah. into all these other people. It's like, why? Yeah, why wouldn't that be something that that you were that you were thinking of? But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, that all of that aside, it, it, it is. It's just a really great moment um, for Al, and Al starts talking about how these were powerful days. Mm-hmm. He starts talking about you know the integration mm-hmm. of. Um, University of Alabama mm-hmm. um, with uh, Arthene Ruth and, and and just it's it's a really it's it's a really cool moment and it also reinforces I think the idea that as much as you know Sam might be kind of still considered a baby boomer being born in fifty three that Al Al was around for that stuff mm-hmm. you know Al Al was you know and I'll just talk about it right now because it's in my mind. As we find out later, Al was marching in some of these mm-hmm. events. You know, well, I think Al he even says it. Around. He says he does it in say the scene. Yeah. I couldn't remember if he said it in this scene or if he mm-hmm. said it later. Yeah. But yeah. So it's like it's a really cool glimpse into who you know who Al is as a person, mm-hmm. um, and it's not it's mm-hmm. not all all about sex. Although, funny enough, we'll get to that later. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll get to that later on. Another interesting. Uh, uh, more of a geeky side note. Geeky side note, says the guy co-hosting a Quantum Leap podcast, <laughs> is, uh, I can't remember the exact line, but he makes an offhand reference to the fact that something that would curl your hair, and he makes a reference to Sam's hair, which implies that at this point in the series, he actually sees Sam as the person that he has leaped into. Yeah. Because oh. he even says something about, you know, no pun intended. Or yes, that, like that was that. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, that's an interesting moment because it's it's we're getting some of this great sort of you know I I marched this is a powerful time so what you're black and then he makes this comment about like curl your hair no pun intended and it's just sort of like well that's an interesting choice mm-hmm. in my opinion I don't know I I got a lot of cool points from Al with this whole civil rights thing so I'm gonna yeah. let that one see. <laughs> 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 Yeah. No. I mean. I. Yeah. I. I I'm not. I'm certainly not gonna. You know. Turn the episode off uh, for for that or anything. But I did. Mm-hmm. I did think it was just an interesting. And you're moment, absolutely right. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. He. He does. He does. You're right. He does kind of earn a lot of points with his. You know. And, and and Dean Stockwell, I think, does a great job of not overplaying it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He. He just. He's just sort of like I did this. Mm-hmm. And, and and yeah. And, he could have been really preachy about it, but he was mostly just like. Man, I was there. That was some crazy shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, and, and and I think there's every likelihood that Dean Stockwell in real life, while I don't know if he was actually there for any of these events, I have a pretty good feeling, having read some interviews with him and, and just kind of knowing the human being that he was, mm-hmm. he would have you know he would have been in Al's shoes, mm-hmm. you know, given the opportunity, mm-hmm. um, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then. Eventually, Sam just kind of tosses the weeds aside, and uh, they get back in the car, and they get back to... Well, uh, no, but before we get on, we uh-huh. find out the the reason why Ziggy says that, yes. that Alice here is Sorry, because yeah. the, the next day, she, Miss Melanie, is going to get hit by a train. Yeah. 
And the, the cemetery turns out is, is just right off the cemetery, actually, right now. So they hear the, the train coming through for its schedule today. Well, and, and Sam thinks he may be there to help start the civil rights movement. Right. And Al is like, no, 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 no. You are biting off more than you can chew. Yeah. You're here to stop Miss Melanie from getting squished by the choo-choo. Which is interesting because, you know, Al is, is again, he's, you know, he's saying all these things about the civil rights movement and being there, being a part of it. And then, yeah, he kind of, he, he, he kind of turns real quick and he's like, mm, but you're not here for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, these are powerful times, but you're, that's not why you're here. Uh, and I, I'm actually going to kind of flip-flop. Uh, a bit here on, on a statement that I made for our last episode about double identity and how uh, it kind of typified the quantum leap episodes that we would get. And you brought up, uh, Dennis, a, a great point about how it didn't really do that for you. And the reason why is that he didn't have a clear mission. You know, this is what you're here to do. And I would go so far as to say that with the exception of the pilot, and even then it's a little muddy because it's the pilot, this might be the first episode where we really get that. Because mm-hmm. there's no real clear cut, like, this is what you're here to do and how the test was won. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of, we think you're here to do something like this. You know, right hand of God, there's no real, you know, Al's losing sleep or whatever, who knows. Uh, you know, star-crossed, <laughs> Sam ignores it all. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is the first time mm-hmm. where we get Al saying, like, this is what you're here mm-hmm. to do. And it's the first one where Sam is there to prevent someone from dying mm-hmm. outside of the pilot. And in that case, he was there to prevent the person that he leaped into, into from dying. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, again, this episode, it, it really is for me the first great episode. And it has all of these wonderful hallmarks of what Quantum Leap will be um, when it is at its best. You know, even beyond the social commentary, uh, just the the plot and the stakes being high, and mm-hmm. you know, having that clear cut mission and the obstacles that will come up, and some of the twists and turns that we'll obviously get into. Um, so, thank you not only for bringing that up on the last episode, mm-hmm. but also reminding me that this is where we get this that is moment. this is where <laughs> we find that out. Actually, we go into the commercial break with like a, a nice close up shot of the train, the train of the train barreling along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then the next thing we see, they're back at her house, right? Are they? Is he driving? I believe uh, if, if not at this point, do we not cut to Jesse's to, to Jesse's home with his family? No, they no no no. That's like oh no no they, yeah that's right. Get back yes, to we back do. Her home. We do get back to Miss Melanie's. Yes, because so, then Miss Melanie's son shows up. Right, which mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a moment. But one thing I do want to bring up real quick, which we could have done even earlier, but I'll go ahead and do it right now, uh, is that there are obvious um, you know parallels between this episode and Driving Miss Daisy. Mm. Yes, I was thinking that the whole mm. time. Confession: now, the, I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy. Oh man, so. I've, I've seen the film. I mm-hmm. saw the film shortly after it came out. Um, so I would have been probably like nine years old because it actually came out after this episode aired. Mm-hmm. That's right. However, the play had been written prior to this and the writers mm-hmm. and, and you know, Deborah Pratt had, had admitted to being influenced by the play because mm-hmm. the play had won awards and, you know, Alfred Uri, who wrote the play, had, mm-hmm. you know, gotten quite a lot of acclaim and everything, and, and, and the play was a huge hit, mm-hmm. um, and obviously would be turned into a huge Oscar-winning film as well. The thing that's nice about it is it doesn't try to do anything that the play or the film did, but it uses kind of 
the, the, the imagery yeah. as a setup, yeah, and it, and and it works really well for that. So mm-hmm. it never feels to me, it never feels like a ripoff, mm-hmm. uh, which none of the episodes really do. Even when we're in Gangsterland and Double Identity, it's not mm-hmm. a ripoff of The Godfather, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they're back at Miss Melanie's, and um, you know Sam brings the groceries in, and that's when we meet. Clayton, mm-hmm. her son. Mm. If you're playing along with Spot the Racist, <laughs> this is number one. Yeah, yeah. And we get something that, uh, spoiler alert, for whatever that's worth, <laughs> it's not actually the first time that this happens in the series. Uh, a certain word gets used. Ah, the end bomb gets yeah. dropped. When twice when, when no, is it you? It was three times. Mm-hmm. Three times. Okay. Three times. Okay. When was this used in the series before this episode? Not before this episode. After this episode. Oh, okay. Well, I'm okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Say, I, I said this isn't the first time. Mm-hmm. I meant to say this isn't the last time. The last time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was like, wait. I was like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not been used before, but it does get used again. Um, yeah. And and uh, I feel. I mean, <laughs> this is what I wrote. We, we all sit around awkwardly. No, but, but, <laughs> this is what I wrote. Mm-hmm. I, I take no joy in hearing that word. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I, I loathe it. But what I will say is that I will defend its use yes. within the context of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is not... Uh, this is not an outlier in that, like, Quantum Leap was the only word, the only series to use this word oh, no. in the correct context in the time. Yeah. Uh, Roots, which was a few years mm-hmm. before. Yeah. There was... A decade before, actually. Uh, a, a decade before. Yeah. Um, uh, north and South. North and North and South. Um, uh, there's, a, there's another uh, series or movie now that um, that popped into my mind recently when I was doing the rewatch, but another like fairly popular uh, TV series or movie at the time, like right around the same time, like it also used that word frequently throughout its yeah. throughout its use. So um, in 2017, no, this word would not be Definitely would not be not on network. TV. No, not not on network TV. Um, a great case in point: Timeless. Have either of you seen? I know, one? yeah, I know of it, but I've not seen it. Uh, n- NBC series Time Travel. It's four people traveling through time. Uh, one of them is a black man, and it's interesting because like every episode, like they they somehow they confront that in some way. And like even in the in the pilot episode, with not like bogged down in the plot of that show, um, there's this mission that they're all going on, and this higher up is telling um, I can't remember the character's name is, is telling this guy like I want you to go with them, and he flat out says. There is nowhere in time it is awesome to be a black man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's one specific episode where, uh, spoiler alert, I, I think they're back to try to prevent Abraham Lincoln's assassination. And there's one scene where this one character keeps calling him boy Ugh. over and over and over again. And it's like, and I was saying like this episode of Quantum Leap, and I'm like, had they done this episode 30 years ago? Yeah, they they would have been using a different word. Yeah, yeah, and and it. I don't mind saying this, um, but I I was raised in a household where that word was not 
used frequently by any stretch, but I definitely heard it. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for it to occur to me how horrible a word it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly by the time I was watching Quantum Leap, you know, I was seven, eight when this episode aired, uh, I already had a dislike for it. Um, but between this episode and another episode that, that comes later, and I mean this, the character of Sam Beckett was one of the first times when someone articulated exactly what it was that I didn't like about the word to Mm -hmm. the point that when I was in high school and was confronted with someone using that word, I pretty much quoted what Sam said Mm -hmm. in an episode that comes later about that word. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like for some people and for myself included growing up, you know, in suburbia, uh, most of my life and, you know, middle to, to upper middle class, sometimes not so much depending on what year it was, but, mm-hmm. uh, that it's, it's, it's a word that you're aware of, but you don't have as much cause to oppose the use of that word. Even if you don't like it and don't want to use it yourself because you find yourself surrounded by other white people almost all the time. So it doesn't occur to you that by letting other people use it, you're complicit in how horrible it is. And I think that that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to come to terms with. And I think it's one of the reasons why there are so many people that you know, run away from a term like institutional racism. Mm -hmm. They choose to think it doesn't exist because if they recognize it, they also have to recognize that they're a part of why it exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the hard truth is in order for us to get past institutional racism, we all got to say this shit is going on. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. can't just be one part of the population who's been screaming it for fucking 300 years. At some point, everybody has to stop and say, this is some fucked up shit that has been going on for generations. We have to fix this. Yeah. We can't continue as a country. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and I know that it, it, you know, even, even having the awareness that, that I had at that time and, and wanting to learn more, um, and, and, you know, what could I do to, to be better? What could I do to, in, in today's vernacular, what could I do to be an ally? Um, it, it was so difficult because it was hard to find, it was hard to find other upper middle-class white kids that wanted to do that Mm. or rather it was hard to find other upper middle class white kids that were willing to talk about it Mm -hmm. because I have no doubt that there were people in my circle of friends that felt similarly to how I felt, but we didn't know how to talk about it. 
and here we are 20 years later plus mm-hmm. we still don't know how the fuck to talk about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I would agree with that uh, alright so it's not, I'm not sure it's about knowing how to talk about it but about talking about it that yeah. will help the situation out we all gotta sit down and be like well, what I need from a good ally is when somebody says that word, they're going to be like, what the fuck, dude? That's not cool. Yeah. And you got to like, it's kind of like a dog. If a dog makes a mistake, you got to correct them, but you got to tell them why they made that mistake and lean them into the thinking of why it's bad that they made that mistake and why they shouldn't make it again. Yeah. Um, we're not there yet. I don't know when we're going to get there, but we're way past where this episode was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, way past. Absolutely. And that warms my heart um, to think that, like, my great-great-grandfather couldn't order a corned beef sandwich at a fucking deli. Yeah. It's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get a drink in Alabama. 90 degree weather give me a fucking lemonade you asshole (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean it's a shame we're dealing with it now but this is why I like stuff like this because it brings up the conversation but it also gives you a reflection because we have come so far but we really don't have that much farther to go we just got to continue to make steps to get there. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because one of the things that I feel that I see a lot of or I infer from some of the things that I see in here is that there are a lot of people that believe that we don't have any further to go. Oh. That because mm-hmm. because things aren't yeah. mm-hmm. 1955 Alabama yeah. anymore, yeah. that we're done. Mm-hmm. And they're okay with that. And then there are those of us that, and I think all three of us are in the same mind on this. There are those of us that look around and say, now we still have work to do. No, I think like what you were just speaking to, Chris, it's like only in an extreme situation can I imagine a scenario where someone uses the N word and I have to come out and tell them that's wrong. Don't do that. Yeah. But to bring it on to, to a very, Contemporary thing that's happening, but explaining to someone like why you throwing a fit over Colin Kaepernick right. kneeling in protest, <sighs> explaining to them why that is racist. Well, yeah, it, it's his right to kneel. Like, okay, mm-hmm. here's my take on the whole Colin Kaepernick situation. <laughs> right, I stand for the anthem, right, because I'm a patriot. I love America, but Colin is right. I've dealt with some bullshit before. Like, you know where I live, right? Yeah. There are times where I've walked down the street in a suit and tie in my own neighborhood, and a police officer pulled up and was like, where are you going? Mm. I'm fucking going home. I live here. So, continuing to walk home, like three blocks away, he follows me the whole way. The whole way. This is after I showed him my ID and everything. Mm-hmm. 
He follows me the whole way, right? I get to close to my door. He gets out and tries to arrest me on suspicion because I look like somebody. And I was lucky because my roommate at the time was also coming from work. And he was like, what the fuck is going on here? And the police officer was like, he fits the description. And my roommate was like, get the fuck out of here. He lives here. I know where he works. You can take this description and shove it up your ass. Mm. And he saved me that day. Right? And I love him forever for that. But had he not been there, I would have went to jail for at least three hours. Mm -hmm. Because I looked like somebody walking down a neighborhood that I live in. Yeah. And that's what I say to people who say we are where we need to be. Yeah. Until I'm able to walk down mm-hmm. the street in the neighborhood I live in, wearing work clothes, and these aren't this is this ain't payless shit. <laughs> I was wearing an expensive fucking shirt, tie, shoes, backpack, all that stuff. Yeah. Until I can do all of that, we ain't where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. You know, and until and, until you know, Colin Kaepernick and, and the other NFL players that have that have been taking a knee, can you feel like that they can stand up again? Yeah. You know, yeah, we're not there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, take a knee. and and I, I I think that again, as we noted at the beginning of this episode, this isn't going to be our, our normal episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about some things because I, I think that the idea of this country uh, and the freedoms that are granted to the people that live in this country and that are citizens of this country uh, absolutely cover our ability to see an injustice and speak out about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes speaking doesn't require you to use your voice as much as it requires you to take an action. That's right. Mm -hmm. And by taking the knee during the national anthem, they're not disrespecting this country. If anything, they're having enough respect for this country to say, we have a problem and we need to fix it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I believe in the idea of America. And I believe in the idea of equality for all. And that we all should be able to not only feel free, but to feel safe. And that there are people living in this country that don't feel either one of those things. If taking a knee during the national anthem raises any kind of awareness for that, then by all means, they should all be on their knees. Yeah, you remember my jumping jack analogy I did on Facebook that one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, tell, yeah, please, yeah, please. Okay, so I equate this dealing thing to, let's say... We're at a game. I'm standing for the American flag, and there's some guy next to me doing jumping jacks during the national anthem, right? I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to say, why are you doing jumping jacks? And if he says to me, I'm doing it to raise awareness to combat heart disease, I'm going to say, you know what? That's pretty noble. I'll do some jumping jacks, too. 
To which I said, nah, I'm a fat fucker. I'm not a <laughs> Yeah, but I think that that's a really good point. And when you and, and when you also take into account that, and this is something that, you know, has, has been all over Twitter and Facebook and et cetera, uh-huh. so I'm sure that our listeners have probably even heard this example, but when you take into account the number of people that are either on their phones, buying concessions, mm-hmm. going to the bathroom, you know, doing a, a myriad of other activities while the national anthem is being played, mm-hmm. and yet there are probably some of the same people that are berating these players, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and coaches and owners, etc., that have decided to take a knee, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a sign of our hypocrisy, it's mm-hmm. a sign of our prejudice, and it's something that we absolutely need to work to get past and get beyond and communicate with one another. To, to understand, to just show a little bit of compassion and understanding and say, oh, you know, they, they have a statement they're trying to make, and... If I don't get it, it means that I should probably try to. Or just to be like, oh, that's some fucked up shit that happened to them. We should probably change that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We gotta work we gotta work at finding some sort of solution, you know, or, or just making things better. Yeah. Yeah. So Damn, that was deep and tough. <laughs> so clean. <laughs> So Clayton, Miss mm-hmm. Melanie's son, mm-hmm. she, she, he, 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 mm-hmm. he drops a couple of n bombs mm-hmm. on uh, Sam as Jesse Tyler, and uh, one of the things that's interesting about not only the scene with Clayton but what immediately follows when Sam goes back to Miss Melanie is that Sam does not accept any of this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't accept being called that word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't accept Ms. Melanie not wanting his help to make her feel better mm-hmm. because he's trying, because Sam's a doctor. And so mm-hmm. she's like not feeling well. And he, so he tries to help her. And she, she actually says the words, get your colored voodoo away yeah. from me or something. No, it wasn't colored voodoo. Get your Negro voodoo away from here. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point I was like, damn, he can't be a doctor. Right. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. and, and so he, the, the, the fascinating thing is, is, and this is another one of those things that much like that cemetery scene, you, you know, you kind of have to use your imagination a little bit. I'm watching it, and I'm seeing the way that Sam's reacting, and one of the things that's kind of heartbreaking is realizing that Jesse would not have reacted that way. No. That Jesse would have just taken it. That if, that if for whatever reason, Jesse had just leapt back in after Sam sat down at the counter, you know, and, and went back outside, and now all of a sudden it's Jesse in the kitchen mm-hmm. when Clayton comes in, and Clayton uses that word, Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Jesse would have just taken it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. If Ms. That'll Melanie be an interesting point to come back around at the end of the episode, but yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's, 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 it's one of those things that you see Sam, you know, upset. You know, visually, he's upset. He, he tries to say some things, but I think he also kind of realizes maybe I shouldn't say too much. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's trying to slowly maybe get Ms. Melanie to that place where it's like, this isn't okay. But eventually, he's like, I have to, I, I just have to. I have to go with this, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, I, I don't know how much Sam like really like thinks about it and he processes like how much he has to go along with this because the real Jesse is going to have to leap back and deal with whatever consequences that he creates. Yeah. Like to jump back to the to the kitchen scene with Clayton. There's a one point like Clayton says in line like. Let me give you a tip. You don't get that hungry. And calls him another name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Sam starts to physically yeah encroach on him. 
And it's like, yeah, 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 Sam, yeah, Sam can take him. But what happens when the real Jesse leaps back? That's, yeah. Yeah, and if you notice, like, when Sam kinds of, kind of encroaches on him, he kind of takes a step back. He does. Because he's mm-hmm. never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Right. But let's say, in theory, he takes a swing at him. He's dead or going to jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just took a swing on the... Uh, the, the, the governor's of, widow's son. The son yeah. of the governor's widow, so... Yeah. Right. Thanks for coming out. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and I don't mean to make light of this at all, but, you know, because this is kind of a heavy episode, why not interject a little bit? But it is interesting when you juxtapose we, this... We've already compared Ms. We, Melanie yelling at Jesse <laughs> to the pedophile from Family Guy. So I've already, set, I've already set that bar. Send your hate mail to me. <laughs> So, so, so I just think it, 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 if we juxtapose this with Sam and Double Identity as the hitman, and like we were talking about in the last episode, where it's like you know oh, he's going to get whacked because yeah. he's you know because he's doing this thing yeah. that he shouldn't be doing, and now just like you said, here Sam is doing this thing that he probably shouldn't be doing. You know, like he walks into the beauty salon in Double Identity, and it's like oh shit, he's done. Yeah. And now here he is. You're right, advancing towards Clayton, and it's just like oh, if he does this, he's done. Um, and and I think it's just one of those interesting things about. Sam Sam doing things that the people that he has leapt into would not do would you know would, for whatever the reason mm-hmm. may be and that it does potentially put not just Sam but the person that he's leapt into in danger mm-hmm. um, and, you know so it's kind of interesting that, that that sort of which speaking of the whole big arc if you will of the mm. show if we can even call it that because it's an episodic TV show from the 80s but that said thinking about here's this passionate man who jumped into this accelerator so he could prove a point to leap through time mm. it makes sense that Sam would do some of these things mm-hmm. it makes sense that Sam would like get called this name that he hates and just be like you're a piece of shit and I'm gonna hit you I can't do that Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take a step back, mm-hmm. but then I'm still gonna I'm still gonna come up on you. You know, like mm-hmm. think of it if, if I was in Sam's shoes and it was 2017, Chris, yeah. that left back and that dude dropped an in bomb one time. Yeah, I'm gonna look at him and be like, now I got to fuck you up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now yeah. I got to beat the shit out of you, dude. Come on. And and, mm-hmm. and that you know, and the thing is, is like you're saying though, 1955 Clayton is gonna be like, I'm gonna call the sheriff. You know, I'm gonna call the good old boy committee. Yeah. I'm gonna, you and know, then I'm mm-hmm. done. Right. Right. Even if you take a swing at him, you know, and it's like 2017. Chris doesn't even think about that. Right. But 1955 Chris is like, mm, I got a family to feed, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, too many people are counting on me, so I should just do nothing. Well, and speaking of the family to feed, this is a great opportunity to bring in the granddaughter, Nell. Nell comes mm-hmm. up to the back door, uh, and we learn that this is Jesse's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Words already gotten around town. And an absolute cutie, by the way. Yeah, she is, right? <laughs> she really is. She's actually got a couple of really great scenes, uh, the, the, the next one in particular. But um, she, yeah, she comes up. She's heard about what's happened. She's so excited. She's like, you showed them. I'm so proud of you. And you get this sense all of a sudden that... Um, this younger generation, if you will, like she is already starting to feel a bit of empowerment to, to be like, we can make a change. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, we can rise above all of this. And, and she's so excited that her grandfather has, has like started Mm -hmm. this thing. And Sam even, I think has to kind of take a moment to be like, 
okay, I, you know, maybe Al's right. I'm not here to start the civil rights movement. It's just like, we'll talk about this later. Mm-hmm. Right now I got to go finish dealing mm-hmm. with Ms. Melanie and I'll, I'll be with you later. And, you mm-hmm. know, he kind of, kind of shoves her off in a way. Um, not in any sort of dismissive way necessarily. He's got something else to attend to, but I think that all of a the sudden there's that moment, however brief it might be that Sam might start to feel a little bit of the weight of what he's done. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is that, that it's like, Clayton has heard about it, and Clayton is saying these awful things to him. His granddaughter's heard about it, and mm-hmm. she's all excited. Just talking to town. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this one, uh, I can't remember how exactly the scene wraps up, but like he ends up driving home with, with Mel, her. Cause, yeah. And Nell's driving mm-hmm. like a bat out of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the comment, yeah. Like, do you always drive this fast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, oh, Dad, do I always drive you this fast? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, but she's got to get to... Uh, she mentions like choir practice, but also got to get him home to cook the chitlins. The chitlins. Oh, Jesus Christ! Before we get to the chitlins, because I know you got feelings on this, Chris. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> wait. But but before we get to that, two two quick things. One, she's singing in the car, and she's That's singing right. like mm-hmm. a you know spiritual song, and you know, and, it, and it's it's a really nice moment. And and like I said, she's fired up. She's excited. Mm-hmm. She's starting to feel empowered. She's mm-hmm. like you know, is she singing now or singing in the in the in the scene later? I think you're thinking of the later, uh, the scene later in the yeah. Mm-hmm. She later. Because okay. because in this one, because because in this one, she she's coming to pick Jesse up like she does every day. The next day, Sam sends her away right. because he wants to stay with Miss right, Melody right, so right. she doesn't get hit by the train. So yes. that's when she's singing. Yeah. Dear listeners, this is yet another moment of Sam was wrong. I watched this uh, episode <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> But but anyway, Sorry. no 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 no, it's it's totally fine. There's uh, there is one moment that I'm almost positive is is true is that the good old boy committee, Toad and Billy Joe, see them drive they by, mm-hmm. and they and they start to follow them. Um, and and it does you know not only is she driving fast and it's kind of freaking Sam out, but now we know that they're also being followed. They don't know they're being followed, mm-hmm. but we the viewers know they're being followed, and so it kind of like you're sort of like oh what's happening here? You know, mm-hmm. it's like what's going to happen. They do, you know, everything turns out fine. They get back to, to mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jesse's family's house. Um, and, yeah, he is, he's getting ready to make chitlins, Chris. Oh, How do we feel about chitlins? Chitlins are the most disgusting thing imaginable. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've grown up with chitlins. Every holiday, my family has chitlins. Uh, for the listeners out there, if you don't know what chitlins are, they are pig intestines. And how you make them is they come in like a bag, right? And it's hard to describe what they look like, but you have to clean them. And when I say clean, I mean clean the shit that is actually in the intestines. And then you boil them and I believe it's water and then you throw a potato and an onion in there and it makes your house your entire like you can live in a mansion it will make your entire house smell like shit (laughs) complete shit (laughs) like you will walk in and be like who the did a sewer back up what the fuck and like my aunts and my uncles, they fucking love it. They put hot sauce on it. They can't believe I don't like it. It's fucking disgusting. On a lighter I, note, mm-hmm. um, collard greens smell delicious. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that cornbread was looking delicious. That cornbread. When Chris and I were watching the episode, and, and, and I paused it because Chris was like, you, you got to pause this because I need to tell you about chitlins. <laughs> so he's telling me about chitlins, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, oh, that sounds 
awful. Mm-hmm. And then I look up at the screen and I see this frying pan of like yeah. cornbread or like, you know, this is cast yeah. iron skillet of cornbread. And I just look at Chris and I was like, yeah, but that cornbread looks good. <laughs> and, then, and then we came back to the episode and like the collard greens are getting made as well. And, and no, I, I, I love collard greens as well. Uh, and, 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 and then Al appears and and he loves chitlins. Yeah, he uh, loves chitlins. And which made like I didn't even think about it like till this moment. Like to me, this is a, a very un Al. Because like I as squeamish as Al usually is about a lot of things, it seems like something that is that is essentially pig, that is pig intestines. Like there would, from what we learn about it later, like it would be a turnoff for him. But yeah, but he but he does. He comes up with this recipe, mm-hmm. and 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 that's his own recipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes! And and, and and at this point, you know, also at this point, uh, somewhere in the in the mix here, uh, we meet Jesse's son, yeah, um, who's a, a preacher, yeah, and uh, is preparing his sermon, and uh, and his daughter in law and mm-hmm. his granddaughter, and they leave, and and Sam's just sort of like, wait, you're not going to help me, and that's when you know, Alan and then that's when, that's when that's when the son says, like, you shouldn't have volunteered if you didn't yeah. want to do it. Watching this with Betsy, my wife, she was like, damn, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and doesn't um, uh, doesn't his son actually also in this moment say something about how uh, you know he shouldn't have done? What oh, he did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which again is sort of like what I was talking about earlier. Meeting his family, it's fascinating to see that you know his granddaughter's so excited, and, and she's like, "Let's you know, let's cause a stir. You know, let's do this to piss them off, to make them mm-hmm. mad, and because it's right." That's another thing that happens in the right. car. Right. You know, she's like sure. going on and on about what, what do we do next? Do. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're going to do it to make them mad. And, and and Sam's like, well, is that the only reason you want to do it? And she's like, no, I want to do it because it's right. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. just a great moment. Mm-hmm. So that's Nell. And then his son is 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 a little bit more caustic. You know, it's like, it's like shouldn't do that. It, uh, his son's know. a preacher. And I have to know that his son has seen some shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is why mm-hmm. he's so cautious. That's... And, he, and he knows his family is probably going to be targeted for that for that stuff, so he's probably like, you know, I don't want to have to deal with all that. I've seen what comes of all of this. Can we take a step back, tone it down a little bit? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, because he, yeah, basically, he's like, he, he's like, if you if you don't tone this stuff down, it's it's not going to just hurt you. It's going to hurt all of us, mm-hmm. uh, the community in general. Um, and and Al, you know, agrees with him. Al is like, he's right. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't why you're here. Uh, the town just isn't ready yet, uh, which is a telling moment. And and again, trying to put not only the episode into the 1989 context, but in that 1955 context. I don't want to admit that that's true, but it is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a thing like uh, if Sam is there to be a part of the civil rights movement. Right. This is not a one week leap. Right. Like, like he's in for the long haul. Like he is in to spend the rest of his life. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. Uh, that that's that's in a reboot of, of Quantum <laughs> Leap where they're brave enough to do like an entire season story arc. Right. Uh, but I mean, but like he, I, I'm not. I mean, like he's there for life. Yeah. As Jesse. Yeah. Until that plays out. Well, and 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 you know, for me, there's this interesting. Um, parallel that I that I make in situations like this because it is difficult sometimes uh, to, to wrap your head around you know the context of the times 
and the limitations of the people living in those times. Mm -hmm. And what always comes to mind for me is a wonderful moment from Ken Burns' Civil War documentary where the historian Barbara Fields, uh, she says something to the effect of, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, that she doesn't believe that a person is subject to the limitations of the times in which that they live. And, you know, her argument is, for instance, that Lincoln could have acted sooner um, you know, that, that his waiting for the right time or the right moment, um, doesn't necessarily hold true with her. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I saw that, I disagreed. I was like, I was like, come on, come on. You know, it's just like, he, he was doing the best that he could. Like, how can you, you know, how can you criticize him? He was, you mm-hmm. know, he was trying, he was doing what he could, but having time to think about that statement and in particular in the past like six or seven years or so, honestly, the more I think about that statement, the more I can't help but think, man, there's, there's a point there. And the idea that just because it's hard doesn't make it any less right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because the time in which you live makes it difficult to do doesn't take away the fact that it's the right thing in the face of all these wrongs that surround you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Al's statement while being true that it, it, the town's not ready for that mm-hmm. doesn't make it any less right that it should be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's really a difficult thing for me sometimes because, you know, you try to give the people a benefit of the doubt and say like, well, they were doing the best that they could. They didn't know any better, but you get to a certain point where you say that and it's like, yeah, well, there's literally millions of people that have died because people didn't know any better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people just need that kick in the ass. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, it's, so what Sam wants to do is is, is fairly noble in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Sam, yeah, but Sam does. He disagrees, and he's like, he's like, a black man has every right to sit down and eat lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'm kind of interested to find out how Sam got his own recipe for chitlins. Oh, Al, Al? Al? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Al has dated many, many women. Yeah. yeah. Many, many women. But at some point, he sat down and ate it. Yeah. And at some point, he was like, you know what? I can improve this somehow. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I know. I have, I have an idea. I have, I have a thought on a potential recipe here. Um, By the way, uh, I was invited to the cookout. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Man. He was there. He's... he's He's got a seat at the table. I mm-hmm. I firmly believe that Al would be a ball to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, now let's let's we're having a little fun. Let's let's take a turn here for a little bit more serious moment because during this particular disagreement between Sam and Al, we're interrupted mm-hmm. by a scream, uh, and it's Nell. Mm-hmm. Sam runs to the front door, and there's a cross burning on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that it's Billy Joe and Toad, Toad. Mm-hmm. and uh, good old boy committee strikes again. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And I think the the practice alone of burning a cross in in you know in, in someone's front lawn or or you know in front of a church or whatnot um, is no less horrifying today 
then, you know, it must have been 50, 60 years ago uh, plus. Um, And even seeing the image of it, you know, provokes uh, sort of a physical discomfort in in me. Uh, And again, much like I said earlier about Clayton's use uh, of that word, it feels absolutely necessary and honest mm-hmm. to the show. Um, but I take no joy in seeing it or being reminded of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nell's reaction alone, you know, is, mm-hmm. is, 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 I mean, she's just, she's horrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's in tears. She's screaming. You know, it's. It, it, I, I don't. I here's here's the thing. I don't even have an equivalent. Like I can't. I couldn't give you a simile right now. I couldn't be like you know. I couldn't give you some sort of modern metaphor that works for me. I can't even really wrap my head around it. Other than know that it, you know because because not only of, of, of her reaction to it and the reaction of, of, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of others that have had it actually happen to them in the way that that makes me feel. Um, it's, 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 it's a horrible, that's a horrible thing. And that's, it's a, it's a real chicken shit thing to do too. Yeah. Like, it really, really is. Yes. Yes. Like, you're a fucking scumbag. And as I was telling you later, uh, after that, cause we had paused and I was like, what would happen if somebody did that on my lawn, well, I would whip my dick out and piss it out. <laughs> that's how I feel about your demonstration, you asshole. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I just don't even know. I don't even know. And the thing is, is that even in 1955, it wasn't a new thing. No, mm-hmm. you know that this was a practice that had been Maybe going it was on. About yeah, you mm-hmm. know? And, and and so yeah, the the. Yeah. It's, it's surreal to see people wanting to join the KKK now because we know all the shit that they did. They terrorized and killed people. Mm-hmm. There it is. Like, that's what you just said. That's the key. It, they, it, this is a, a terrorist tactic yeah. mm-hmm. to instill fear in these people by taking this religious iconography something that would have absolutely been important to these people. Mm-hmm. It's a reverend's house mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and lighting this on fire to make this statement. Uh, you know, it is, it is a terrorist tactic. And, uh, if you don't think that the KKK are homegrown terrorists, then we disagree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. sure it's not the only thing we would disagree on. Uh, um, mm. so, so yeah, so this moment is, you know, is, is, is a very powerful moment, um, within the episode for better, or for worse. And it, and it, and it ends up instigating Sam going to the sheriff the next day. Mm-hmm. Royce D. Applegate. Yeah. He was uh, quite the character actor in the day. Also, uh, he was a regular on the First season of Sequest DSV. Did you ever watch that one? I did indeed. I did mm. indeed. Yeah, yeah. He was. You know, he's another one of those actors, much like we were talking about with the last episode, that was in like everything. Mm-hmm. Like he was in MacGyver. He was mm-hmm. in Magnum PI. He was. You know, he's in like all these. You know, these these eighties uh, television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sequest. Sam goes. Oh, so oh, see, I love the first season. Yeah, that, that was the season that he was on. But then they, uh, after the first season, they fired most of the older cast because they tried to kiddify it. 
They try to make it more appealing to, to younger viewers, which I was at the time, and that's when I pretty much lost Same here. interest in the show. Yeah, yeah well, so quick digression to add a little levity into the show. Sequest was one of those shows that, uh, yeah, its first season was very much like, we're not science fiction, we're science fact, mm-hmm. you know, and there would be these little bumpers on the episodes, like teaching you something about oceanography, yeah. and, you know. It was just, it, it took itself way too seriously. It, it did, and yet it was, you know, it was well done, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was fun, and, and you know, the cast was fun and there was a dolphin that could talk and, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, ah, oh, this is great. And then they, yeah, they did. They ended up firing a lot of the older cast, trying to make it uh, more slick action sci-fi kind mm-hmm. of thing. It, it, you know, it, it aired, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it aired opposite Lois and Clark. Um, and mm, I think you are correct. Yeah. And, and I remember that I watched Sequest the first season mm-hmm. and I thought it was really good and somewhere along the way I was like man Terry Hatcher's over <laughs> here <laughs> and, 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 and you know yeah so, mm-hmm. so I, I switched I switched loyalties yeah. well Sequest uh, debuted the fall after Quantum Leap ended so I was really uh, looking for yeah. like a new show yeah well to, here. to fall in love with and Sequest was not it yeah it could have been. Mm-hmm. I rewatched some of it not too long ago. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it was, yeah. It doesn't mm. hold up mm. at all. <laughs> Sorry, Sequest fans. Um, yeah. but, so anyway. We're going so anyway, to get hate mail from the Sequest <laughs> DSV podcast. Right? Is there one? I don't know. Write us at Fates Wide Wheel. And Twitter, <laughs> That's right, ladies and, and gentlemen. And Instagram. We have uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes reviews, Any, yes. subscriptions. So yeah. Royce D. Applegate. Royce, so, so Sam goes uh, to the town sheriff and basically says, you know, you have to do something about this. And, and basically, the, like, the sheriff turns around and says, well... Maybe, boys, maybe, 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 mm, boys will be boys. Maybe you should have thought twice before you sat down at that lunch counter. Yep. And I can't remember the exact exchange, but basically you find... Uh, I can't remember if it's Billy Joe. Billy Joe is his son. Billy yeah. Joe is his son. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, and and speaking of which, Billy Joe and Toad are watching this whole exchange from like across the courtyard. Mm. They are. Yeah, they I don't are. know, if they, but what Sam does after this, they definitely see that. Yeah, but yeah. No, they see they see because they see this. yeah, because they're, they're in the background at one oh, point okay, got when, it. when Sam mm-hmm. the sheriff are in the foreground, and so eventually, yeah, Sam kind of has to give up. The sheriff dismisses him, blames it on him, and at this point, mm-hmm. Sam, you know, leans over to get a drink of water. It's hot. Mm-hmm. And splashes some water on his face, yeah. cleaning himself off. And you see above the fountain that he's like, using white only the white only fountain, and that's what sets. And I, and I saw nothing off. wrong with it until I saw that, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, Billy Joe and Toad are like, "He's gone too far. We're gonna have to whack him back into place." Because mm-hmm. God forbid, in ninety degree Alabama heat, you can't take a drink of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It you know, and I I mean. Again, I'm glad that I don't, but I can't even fathom why anyone would have to segregate drinking fountains or bathrooms or lunch counters. I I understand intellectually so far as these were bigoted people who thought that, you know, that black people were less than mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, were, were unclean or whatever. Like I get that that's where that was, but 
But when I put it into my head, it still doesn't even compute. Yeah, mm. we all get thirsty and we all gotta take a shit. So <laughs> <laughs> there it is mm. at our at our at our at our most basic. Yeah, mm. and, and so it's 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 a really. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, they they so they they say they're gonna whack him back into place. Mm-hmm. Sam. Next thing we see is back at Mr. Melanie's, mm-hmm. um, attempting to fix a broken water pipe because mm-hmm. earlier Miss Melanie has said something about not being able to get any rest because of the drip that mm-hmm. she keeps hearing. Yeah. And so Sam is gonna fix this water pipe, and there's this really cute moment yeah. where he mm-hmm. thinks he's got yeah. it fixed. And splish splash. They turn the water on. It squirts all over the face. Yeah. We always just holes in the pipe. They're both laughing. Um, you know, it's just, a, it's a really nice moment. And again, you get this idea that Ms. Melanie, for her, there's no sort of bigotry f- on her, s- on her part. Like she doesn't necessarily look at Jesse and see someone that's beneath her. She, she certainly sees something that's someone that's different. She doesn't see someone that's beneath her based on the color of his skin. She sees someone that's beneath her based on their position yeah. in society. Again, mm-hmm. she's the boss. He's the worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I because so many of the things that she even says are much more along the lines of, um, you know, that's the way it is, mm-hmm. it, yeah. as opposed to there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Which we get into the into the next scene where Sam has made them tea and he attempts to sit down and enjoy tea with her. Yeah, and she says that uh, coloreds and whites are not allowed to eat together. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. have a fucking cookie either. God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this, uh, and so this uh, tra- uh, moves on into a scene where they start, I can't remember how exactly the dialogue goes, but they start talking about the N-word. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it was dropped again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mentioned this before in our preview episode, so I apologize to anyone who listened and heard that. This is the first, ep- this is the first scene of Quantum Leap that I saw. Um, sitting at home watching TV with my dad. We had one TV in our house. Whatever he wanted to watch, we watched. You could sit down and watch TV with him, but as soon as he got bored and changed the channel, he changed the channel. So this is the scene that we came upon of a white guy telling this old white woman why she shouldn't call him the N-word. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this in our preview episode. Like, you know, I, I grew up in White County, Illinois. <laughs> where they would like to keep it that way. Um, and uh, apparently since the election last year, they're one of the parts of the country that has let its racist freak flag fly. So I don't have a problem. Uh, I don't have a problem saying that. So I was very well aware of uh, who was typically called the N-word, and I knew it wasn't white people. Yeah. Uh, so it got my attention, and I think it got my dad's attention and, and it's why we stayed through and watched the rest of the episode well and you know and, and right before this moment happens because they have they, they they you know he he says that we should be able to eat together and she says you know well that's just the way things have always been and he says well maybe things need to change mm-hmm. and before what, what you just mentioned actually happens Nell shows up at the back door that's right and mm-hmm. and so she's like you know hey I need you to come home he's like I can't come home I'm gonna drive Miss Melanie's car back to make some repairs on it she nods walks away we get this, you know, brief scene where we see Billy Joe and Toad ambush the vehicle, forcing it off the road. There's the car crash, uh, and she's unconscious and bleeding profusely. Meanwhile, um, Sam and Ms. Melanie right. are having the conversation where she, she, mm. you know, she calls him a Negro, and he says, you shouldn't call me that. 
and she says, "Why not?" Is it's too close to the other word. That's right. And mm-hmm. and and then she ends up saying that, um, uh, uh, you know, that that's just the way that it is. And and he eventually says uh, he, he uses the word blacks. He's like, you know, blacks are going to unite mm-hmm. together. And she goes, you know, what are you what are you talking? That's not what you, you know what you're called. And he's like, no, that's you know that is that that's you know that is what we're going to call ourselves. And you know we're going to. Uh, seek equality, and he starts to tell her that she could use her influence to help. That mm-hmm. you know, that, that that she is is someone in this town that people respect, and she could encourage others to to kind of join in and, and be the ally, like we were talking about earlier. Um, but she gets very uncomfortable and and decides that she doesn't want to have this conversation anymore. At which point, she says that she's going into town uh, to buy her new pipe. Sam, remembering his mission, is like, no, 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 I'll drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get in the car, um, and it's it's you know it's a tension filled car ride there for mm-hmm. a brief moment before they spot his son's car, which Nell was driving mm-hmm. uh, with her, uh, and Sam finds her on the side of the road and mm-hmm. you know, bleeding badly, and mm-hmm. you know picks her up, puts her in the car, mm-hmm. uh, starts driving towards the hospital. Mm-hmm. Which, unbeknownst to Sam, is the White's only hospital. Mm-hmm. Damn, I can't even die in a White hospital. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> wow. Mm. And uh, and then, you know, she's like, they're not going to accept her, and Sam's like, the hell they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they get there, and... Uh, I know, that's a, I think we may have been talking about this a few weeks ago, and we were just, like, talking about, like, leading up to this episode. Like, that's a moment, like, re-watching it. Like... I under I understand the, like the rightness and where Sam is coming from in that, but also like he's putting a lot of confidence in himself and maybe like in the influence of Miss Melanie that he's going to drive her to the White Hospital, and they're going to take her. Yeah, you know, like m- m- maybe he should consider just for a moment. <laughs> maybe he consider like I know what's right, but I know the other hospital, which is a little bit further away. Will take her. Yeah. And he was also kind of testing uh, the people's respect for Miss Melanie, and that he automatically assumed that she would take his side because she could have been like, I don't, that's the law. I want to break the law. I'm the governor's wife. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but luckily, she. She's a tough old lady with a set of brass balls. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "This this lady will not die on my watch. You take her, I'll fucking fire you all." Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And 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 it isn't until she speaks up that that they decide to take her. And there's that moment where again, it's just you know, it's it's kind of horrifying where they're coming out with the gurney and they're ready to help whoever's in this car. They just stop. And yeah, they just mm-hmm. stop. You know, even Sam's like, what are you doing? You know, get down here. She's, you know, she's bleeding, you know. And here's something else about the episode that I think is interesting, which I question as to whether or not we'd see this on network TV today. Like, there's a lot of blood. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot, a lot of lot blood. Of blood. Mm. Um, and, and you know, again, it, there's a certain... I, there's a visceral honesty to this episode that really, really always gets me kind of wrapped up in it. And, mm. and, and, and again, sometimes watching quantum leap and, and I love the show. I really do. But there are certain elements where I, I have to remind myself, well, maybe I shouldn't expect too much from it. This episode, 
I could expect anything I wanted from it, it would deliver. Because mm-hmm. it is a it is a great piece of television. It genuinely is. Mm-hmm. I would put it up against just about anything else and oh, still yeah. say it's a great piece of television. I was mm-hmm. totally invested, man. Yeah. When they were mm-hmm. rushing her to the hospital, I was like, God, I hope they admit her. Because if I if they don't she will fucking die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like blood on the on, on the roof of the car. There's yeah. blood all over Miss Melanie. There's mm-hmm. blood all over Sam. There's blood, you know. And, and again, I, not to belabor the point, but that I think just really does add a certain level of authenticity that mm-hmm. again, I think modern network television, you're not going to see that as much. I don't know. I'm, I, I realizing I don't watch a whole lot of Modern network because it's uh, television. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I watch uh, a lot of episodes like of the Chicago shows, like Chicago Fire PD, because uh, I'm an actor and I occasionally go on auditions for those things. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to recall. I mean, yeah. yeah, what today's standards are as far as that I mean, kind of stuff goes. Maybe you'll see like uh, you know Grey's Anatomy or, or like you know one of the hospital shows. You might see something, but but even then, mm-hmm. you, it's not quite this. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Ms. Melanie gets out of the car, and she's like, "You're going to take her. You know, you're going to do the right thing." And even when she says that, they pause for a second because yeah. they don't know what to. do. Dude. Right, mm-hmm. and then finally they're like, "All right, fine, we'll do it." Mm-hmm. And and you know, and Sam is obviously proud. Um, oh, you know, something else that, that that I wanted to go back to real quick with the car accident. The the car accident itself is really well done. Yes, it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. It looks good. It, it looks impactful, powerful. Like it's just again, there's just an authenticity to the episode where it's like, that's a car wreck. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's it, one you get seriously injured if not die from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially like an old 1950s car. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All that hard, unforgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, anyway. You know, another thing that I would say is that uh, even... Well, I'll use I'll, I'll save it for the wrap up. But one thing that then happens that I think is very telling is even after they get her to go and to take her into the hospital, you know, Jesse's walking up the stairs with Miss Melanie, and she turns around and she's like, "I think it's best if you no, stay outside." No, you here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just sort of like, look how far we've come, yeah. how far we still got to go. You and know, I it, can't it, step in to watch my granddaughter die in this white hospital. Yeah, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he stays outside, and then here comes the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we have this oh. moment of, of uh, I'm just going to call her Nurse Ratchet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nurse Ratchet looking, Ratchet. Uh, looking out the window watching Jesse talk to himself, to Al, and, and yeah, this is when the, yeah. Well, and, and you know, and I guess even before up. the sheriff shows up, Al is there, and Al is trying to convince Sam to like get out. Oh no, no, no yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Train tracks this way. Get Miss Melanie. Get the car. Go that way. And Sam's like, oh, you're being paranoid. And then that's and when like, the sirens. Well, and Al has a great line, and and, and I'm not necessarily going to say it's my Al line of the show or whatever, but Al has this great line where he's like, "You're just being paranoid." And I was like, "How do you think I've lived this long?" <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "I got a bad feeling about this one." And then mm-hmm. yeah, sure enough, there comes the cop car. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and, and so, yes, he, he gets arrested. Yeah. And to jump back, just a, a nitpicky bone to pick with Al and Ziggy, where were they on Nell? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I feel like this is also a product of, like, early in the series, like, they didn't know how exactly to, well, how, how to use Al. I think if this had been a, 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 an episode in a later season, like, we would have had a scene with Al popping in going, you changed history, 
now Nell. Right, Sam, you gotta now, get, you yeah, gotta now, get now, now, now Nell's going to get hurt, and, it, and it's Sam driving up on Nell because Al told him, not because they, they just happened stumbled to, upon. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, certainly you could argue that, and at this point in the series in particular, that they did not, because... Because Sam changed things, mm-hmm. Nell would never have been run off the road if he hadn't, and because mm-hmm. that happened, that they weren't prepared for that change. For sure. And also, Al makes a point back in the uh, in the cemetery, in, in one of the first scenes of the episode, is that they didn't have a lot of records right. on, on black people in the time, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Ziggy wouldn't have had the resources to say this had happened. Right. Right. Well, and and here's a, here's a quick digression, but just thinking about that, the records and you know, and, and, and the loss of culture and identity. That if you think that Jesse's real family family name was Tyler, you know, mm-hmm. like that's that you know, at some point in time, someone owned somebody in his family with the last uh, name Tyler, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's how he got that name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's just one. It's just, again, it's just one of those things that I feel like the awareness. Uh, and this isn't this isn't me trying to preach some sort of white guilt or anything like that. It's just an, an idea of being aware and having that knowledge and not shunning history, yeah. not allowing people mm-hmm. to rewrite it or twist it for its own benefit, but to being able to understand the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for whatever that's worth, but but then yeah, Sam gets carted off to jail. Uh, and then when he gets carted off to jail, Ms. Melanie comes out and, uh, she has this odd moment of, of bravado. Yeah. Like after having like stood up and gotten out into the hospital, well, nurse ratchet says, no, the sheriff says you're waiting here. It's like, Oh really? He'll have to arrest me too. And she just goes to, right. to get in the car. Well, that's something we forgot to mention actually, before Sam gets carted off by the sheriff, uh, Sam pleads to say, like, that's right. yeah. make sure she stays here. And Al's like, 23 minutes. And Sam's like, half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and so when she comes out, um, you know, saying she's going to be okay, and she doesn't see Jesse around, and the nurse tells her what happens, then yeah, she's like, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to arrest me too, yeah. And Al flips out. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 you can't leave. He's yelling at her, trying to talk to her. She drives through him at one point. Speaking back to like iconic shots that they use over and over again in the opening credits for the yep. rest of the series, the car driving through Al mm-hmm. is, is one of those shots that they use a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then there's all these scenes of her driving down the road, talking to Charles. She's talking to her late husband, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out what, you know, what she's going to do, what the right thing is. The train's coming. She thinks she hears the whistle, but she thinks it's something else. Al's yelling at her in the front seat, trying to get her to stop. And you know, all of a sudden, she's right there. She's about ready to get hit by. Yeah, and he keeps shouting, "Pull off into the cemetery! Pull off into the cemetery!" And finally, he just yells, "You know, pull, pull off, off into the cemetery! Damn it!" And she swerves and mm. doesn't get hit by the train. Mm. And there's this moment where she's just like, kind of like, "I almost died." There's a train in front of me, mm. and then she turns and kind of looks to where Al was. And she says, "Thank you, Charles." Yeah. But you didn't have, have to, to swear, swear. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. which is great because, uh-huh. like we were saying in the beginning of the episode, yeah. mm-hmm. it's the same thing where Sam says "damnness" and she's like, "Don't swear." swear. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so she, you know, she's okay. Al has kind of saved her, um, thinking that it's her her husband's spirit. And then um, we we come upon Sam locked in his jail cell. Mm-hmm. Jesse James was yes, here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> written on his written on the wall there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sheriff comes in 
uh, to tell him that the charges yeah. have been dropped. But, but now before we have this moment of, of Al just being totally enthralled by this fact that he was oh, able yeah. to reach her, he's like, and if I could reach her, yeah. maybe younger women. Younger women. And it seems like a sex all you were thinking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, what does he say? He says, uh, uh, when I'm not pulling you out of the fire. Yeah. Other than that. Other than that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Um... Just makes him that much more lovable. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no, without a doubt, because you know he's a good a good guy. He just happens to be a womanizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and then so yeah, the the reason why the charges have been dropped is because he knows that it was his son and Toad that ran Nell off the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but he won't. He doesn't tell Sam that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he just uh, knows that that it was caused by two boys that ran off the road. Um, and he assures him nobody in your family is going to get hurt anymore. And, and Sam says that that's not good enough. And uh, he tells him he's going to have to change his ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's this really kind of powerful moment. And, and Sam mm-hmm. just really owns it. Um, and at this point, I, I feel like he does it knowingly. Like he knows he's Jesse Tyler in the sheriff's eyes saying these things. Mm-hmm. As opposed to earlier in the episode, it's Sam just saying them without taking into account, like, Oh right, I'm this other guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is that moment where he's just sort of like, I'm doing this because I want the sheriff to remember that Jesse Tyler looked him in the eye and said, mm-hmm. "You have to change." Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think you agree, Dennis. I, <laughs> mm, no, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, uh, like I said, I threw out the entire episode. Uh, like, like, while well, understanding like what is right, like I don't know if like if Sam is thinking about what happens after Jesse leaps back in. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Well, as we will shortly find out, I don't know that it even really matters mm-hmm. because Sam leaves the the yeah. jail. But before he leaves, uh, Al does point out that Jesse is still alive. Oh yeah, and they're like hundred and five years yeah. old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't Al say something like, ah, I bet he's great or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he's got to be like 105 years old, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then Sam leaves and, uh, Ms. Melanie's there with, with Clayton. Mm-hmm. Good old boy number one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Clayton tries to, you know, to rattle him a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, tell him that he should be in jail and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and that's when Ms. Melanie just looks at it and says, you know, mind your own business. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And she has, since I don't really necessarily have an Al line of the show, uh, I have a Ms. Melanie line of the show. And to me, this is the best line of it. And this line, I was like, okay, I love this old Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she looks at Sam and goes... Sometimes I think they switched babies on me. (laughs) (laughs) And even Sam like gets a kick out of it and Mm. they laugh and uh, and and you know it's it's at this point where you kind of feel like like Sam feels like he's changed things Mm -hmm. for Ms. Melanie in particular. Mm -hmm. And you know, they start to have uh, this this conversation and Ms. Melanie tells him that they moved Nell to the to the black hospital mm-hmm. and Sam gets indignant because it's like she was in critical condition that could have you know she could have died blah 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 all this sort of stuff and Ms. Melanie's like well that's just the way that it is you know it's fine and he tries to tell her well but this is the proof of what I'm talking about about the injustice in the town and that she could use her authority to affect change and she disagrees and she tells him to go get my sandwich mm-hmm. And and he tries to fight her on that. And she's like, "Go get my egg salad sandwich. Mm. Like we're done with this." Mm. 
it's just, you know, you're kind of like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. You know? So he goes to get the sandwich, and everybody's giving him the stink eye when he walks in. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's a mix of stink eye and I dare you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, and he goes up to get the sandwich. The, you know, the woman behind the counter giving him the sandwich. And at this point, Miss Melanie walks in the door. Mm. And it's a, you know, this, this wonderful moment where everybody in the diner had just previously been looking at Jesse, mm-hmm. like, like you said, I dare you mm. to, to, oh, oh, Ms. Melanie. Hello, Ms. Melanie. Oh, how are you, yeah. Ms. Melanie? Yeah. You know, she's wonderful. She doesn't you. grace us with her presence very often. Exactly. And she walks over and she says, I think I'm going to eat my lunch here today. And she sits down at the counter and Sam, you know, Scott Bakula, like just, I mean, plays the moment so well because there's no, you know, one of the things like when you're, when you're, when you're in school to, to be an actor and you're taking like acting one or whatever, a lot of times one of the things that young actors do is they have a tendency to play the end of a scene. And it, you know, it's it, instead of kind of being unaware of where a scene is going, they try to kind of, you know, machine their way into the ending that, that, you know, there's a point to be made and I'm going to get there and make this point. And, you know, this is a wonderful example of, of not doing that, of doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Sam is dejected. He's just like, fine here and gets ready to leave. He's walking out. And that's when Ms. Melanie's like, you know, Jesse, why don't you sit down and have lunch with me? Mm-hmm. And that's when Toad and Billy Joe start to flip out mm-hmm. and the sheriff's just like, sit down. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was, to me, he was just like, You've embarrassed me enough, you jackass. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Not in the presence of the governor's wife. Come on, man, have some respect. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's a really, it's you know, it's 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 a great moment. It it it, it feels like you know we've kind of we've, we've come full circle here. And uh, look, none of us are naive enough to think that within an hour of television that we're going to solve the world's problems, much less change this woman's mind about things. Mm. But with the arc of this episode in particular, the way that it was written, the way that it was played, everything, it, it, it's its a more than earned conclusion, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, again, going back to some of that, you know, art school bullshit that you learn, you know, when you're, when you're in your first year, mm-hmm. you, you have to earn some of that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to earn those pauses, you have to earn those moments of emotion, you have to earn a moment like this, and I think that, you know, the previous 46 minutes earned this moment, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, and it just feels right, and, it, and it's, a, it's a wonderful bit of conclusion, and they, they share this wonderful look with one another, then we get the mirror image, which is beautiful, because we see Jesse mm-hmm. and, and Ms. Melanie together, and, you know, they're kind of looking each other and they're looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and then, you know and then we get Sam and Ms. Melanie again and then of course Sam leaps out and when he leaps out he's in a car mm-hmm. driving fast car hanging or cigarette hanging out of his mouth yeah mm-hmm. and we get the very first oh boy in a leap in not as it mean like the like the end of the episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which would become a, a staple of the show, a signature of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time that we actually get that. Um, 
So going back real quick, another moment that we kind of glossed over is that in the prison, after after uh, Sam has left, Al is still there, mm-hmm. and uh, Al sings uh, a phrase of "We shall overcome," mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's a really nice moment uh, actually. And I remember uh, doing a show. Um, where, oddly enough, I, I was playing, uh, Dennis knows a lot about this show, uh, I was playing John F. Kennedy, and um, prior to the show every night, we would uh, actually get in a circle and sing that song. Um, so it, it, for me, even personally, like kind of just hearing the, the strains of that and hearing Al sing it, and, you know, it was, I don't know, it's, it's a really nice, nice little moment. Um, well, I have, I have, I have, I have talking far too talking. Jesus, I've spoken far too much. Um, what, uh, Chris? What are your What are your feelings on the episode as a whole? I fucking loved it, man. I thought it was fantastic. Aside from all the racist stuff, um, <laughs> I love playing spot the racist. There were five really good ones. Confederate <laughs> <laughs> flags everywhere make me laugh. Uh, Miss Melanie was a feisty old bitty. <laughs> uh, I loved her so much. Um, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about his son and what his mm-hmm. son went through. Sure. But it's only so much you can cram into 40 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I give it a 10 out of 10. Nice. Nice. And this is maybe episode number six that I've seen in my entire life. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This. This is. I mean, it is one of the like iconic episodes of the entire series. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of. Uh, I have a lot of strong feelings about this episode because I, I, I think we touched on this a lot earlier with you. Is that the, uh, you know, the town that I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in a household where my dad did say the N-word on a regular basis. Um, uh, I credit uh, this episode and a lot of other episodes of Quantum Leap that deal with racism uh, with me not staying very much in the mindset of of most of White County. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's been interesting to get your, your perspective on it. Chris, because it's there are a lot of, of elements to the episode, uh, you know, with racial slurs being used so yeah. much. Very much the uh, uh, you know the, the white savior trope all throughout the episode. It's uh, there are some elements to the episode that, by today's standards, could seem problematic. And, and by, by by some uh, people who are very sensitive to and it could have been things. darker. It could mm-hmm. have been way darker. I mean, I've seen some things where they just they just left me speechless. I can't believe how people could be so cruel. But this was a this was a story with a happy ending that was believable in the timepiece that it was set in, and. For that, I give kudos. I mean, I wasn't particularly mad at anybody because, for the most part, these folks were just lived in a time that sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, given, well, I'm not going to give them that much benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> I think they were all fairly good people. Uh, those, the sheriff's son was just a scumbag who 
probably thought he could get away with anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought if you're going to tackle racism, this was a very good way to do it. Um, kudos to the happy ending. Everybody wants to see a happy ending when it comes to mm-hmm. that because there's rarely a fucking happy ending. Yeah. I get hung up a lot watching and like like this episode and it, it's been obvious from the comments I've made throughout it's like worried about like what happens to the real Jesse mm. after he leaps back in uh, you know whereas we're like double identity which we talked about before like Sam is very hung up like what happens when the real Don comes back like I need to put these things into place for whatever yeah. uh, but we've talked about before where uh, the rules of time travel and the rules of quantum leaping kind of change from episode to episode and so I think this is an episode where uh, where you really have to believe that everything is going to be okay when when Jesse leaps back in on the other end, and that the the change that that Sam has started as Jesse is going to continue on. Yeah. Um, and I think it's actually touched on in a in a later episode. Um, to not get too many spoilers way to the future, but there's a, a scene in a later episode where Al has to appear before a committee to justify why Quantum Leap, the project, mm-hmm. continues on, and there's this line that doesn't directly reference this episode, but it makes reference to Sam helping to integrate a small town. Yeah. And you have to believe, like, like this was it. It's Red Dog, Alabama. Yeah. yeah. So that Sam's actions did actually help integrate the small town. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> ready for that drink, man? I think this is like your um, this is like your fifth oh boy of this episode, yeah. Sam. It's it, you know it's just it, it, it's it's a heavy episode, and it, you know you brought up the the white savior trope, and it's something that I I, I struggle with sometimes because I I feel like it can be harmful and detrimental, but it can also be a positive thing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular speaking you know for us as a testimony to what this episode and others like it did for you and I mm-hmm. it probably helped to prevent us from going down a path that would have put us more like Clayton and less mm-hmm. like Sam mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's easy to argue that we benefited from that you know oh, I think that if if a you know, if a, if a young person of color is watching something like this and they're given the impression that they can't make the change themselves, that someone else has to help them with it, then that, that sucks. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, we, we, we need to do better without a doubt. But I, I think that there is value in this particular episode. I, I think that it's unfortunate because it, it is a trope Mm-hmm. Now and it's something that I hope that we do get further and further away from. But you know, if you have a great piece of work or a great piece of art, um, and 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 it happens to have that in it, if we're able to find value within that piece that goes beyond any sort of trope, then we should we should acknowledge that there's value in it Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to make a judgment on it based on the fact that we don't want to see a white guy save a black person. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of it we were talking about earlier, like how do we have conversations about race? I feel like why it's so difficult sometimes is that sometimes like there are 
white people who make a misguided but an effort in good faith to have a conversation, but they get something very wrong. And instead of people talking about talking to them in a manner of just saying, good effort, but hey, but hey, here's something that you're missing. Uh, a lot of times it's other people, often other white people, jumping on them and just just yeah. immediately pouncing on them. But then it's my job to be like, look, I, I know where your heart was. Mm-hmm. I know where you were getting at, but you can't say that shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, I know, like, um, uh, a few years ago, uh, Brad Paisley released the song Accidental Racist. Ah, yes. And... It, it it is it is it is not a good song. It it way it, it it is an oversimplification. But I feel like his heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. But it immediately got ripped apart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the song. No, I'm not actually. Uh, basic the, the the premise of the setup is is it's. Uh, uh, the the perspective of the song is Brad Paisley is a guy who walked into a, a Starbucks basically with a Leonard Skinner T-shirt with a Confederate flag on it, and the barista behind the counter was black. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was saying like, "I wasn't meaning to say like I don't want you here. I'm just meaning to say I'm a Leonard Skinner fan." Mm-hmm. And like, so buy the Leonard Skinner shirt without the Confederate yeah. flag. Um, yeah. And then and then um, later on in the song, LL Cool J comes in. And, and gives like uh, like a back and forth, right. and like I said, it is it, uh, it is a it is a horrible song. For a while, it was my first song that popped up on my on my iTunes whenever it started playing in alphabetical order right. because the song is called Accidental Rate. You know, yeah, yeah. it just uh, it just starts right off. But when that but when that song came out, like everybody like immediately started ripping it to shreds. Uh, and the thing is, just because I do follow country music. Um, and am a Brad Paisley fan. Like I know, like a couple years before this, he released a song where there's a line in there where not even mentioning Obama by name, he just threw out the idea that no matter what your politics are, it's really cool that we elected a black man president. Yeah. And some of his fans ripped him to shreds. But I don't understand that. Over like, that, it would be the same if it was a woman. Mm-hmm. Mexican or mm-hmm. Chinese or like it's cool to be there when it's cool to witness the first of anything it's mm-hmm. cool to be like man I was there when that shit happened yeah right? mm-hmm. it's okay to be proud of that mm-hmm. I mean the thing is like like so like some of his hands ripped him apart and then he came out with this song and then he immediately got torn to like it was like there was a video made and they pulled it down offline in one day oh man this is how bad it was and it's been four or five years since that song came out he doesn't do that anymore yeah like he now does very safe middle of the road country anthem thing And, and to bring it back around I was saying it's like he said it the wrong way, but his heart was in the right place. He immediately got torn apart, and now he's not even trying. Yeah, and I don't want to his art. about his creation when it comes to that. Like, right. What I would tell Brad Paisley is like, don't stop doing what you're doing, but just be mindful of who's listening. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
keep continuing to make all the music that your fans love, but take a step back and think, maybe I have a black fan who's not too keen on the whole Confederate flag shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the awareness of uh, the, what, what that symbolizes for a lot of people uh, and the idea that I think to kind of be apologetic in a way about, hey, this isn't meant to offend you, this is just because I'm a fan of this band. Mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, the heart's in the right place, but there's 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 a certain awareness that's lacking there because mm-hmm. kind of like you said, Chris, it's like, well, then find another shirt. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. find, like, like mm-hmm. right, exactly. That That's the thing is it's like, I, I, I mean, yeah, there is... Tuesday's Gone, you know, is a simple man. I mean, oh, great, incredible song. pieces of music, without a doubt. And, and and so there's nothing wrong with being a Leonard Skinner fan, but at the same time, it's like, you know, think about think about where some of this stuff, you know, what it means to other people have that awareness, and mm-hmm. maybe that song would have come out a little bit differently, you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think but, like, what we got reports is, like, there, there's actually, like, a line in the song where he says, like, I can't put myself in your shoes. And people are like, no, you can make a better record. Yeah, no, man. you could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and then the other the other side of that is that, uh, you know, how many how many people were really truly offended, you know, and how many people, people just wanted mm-hmm. to be offended, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? Oh, fucking thing. Yeah, and it happens mm-hmm. a lot. And you know, I've seen it before. I had a Facebook friend of mine. This was shortly after um, the Trayvon Martin shooting, and he was in a gas station when I lived in Indianapolis. He was in a gas station, and he he went in, and he was wearing a hoodie. And uh, he walked up, and he bought a drink, and as he was walking out, a kid came in wearing a hoodie, and the guy behind the counter immediately got all over the kid and was like, you know, you got to take your hood down, you know, I won't, either that or get out or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so this Facebook friend of mine ended up posting this, diatribe about that scene that he saw uh, you know in, in the gas station and all I wanted to say to him is did you say anything because if you didn't this is just hollow words mm-hmm. this yeah. means this absolutely nothing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. if you didn't take a moment to say hey man that's not cool like I'm wearing a hoodie too mm-hmm. then you have no business like you said posturing on mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. you know trying to make yourself feel better and look good mm-hmm. when you could have helped make somebody else feel better yeah one person yeah and so it, it, it's it's just a very very weird thing, um, you know the, the the times in which we live with social media in particular, and the way that people decide to use it, and the fact that there are you know that takedowns, you know that that's a term that we use for when we decide to target somebody who does something that we don't like, so we yeah. can just you know we can take them down. It's like what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. It, if I could, if I could have a moment to have a dialogue with somebody, as opposed to immediately deciding that I'm going to be their enemy or they're my enemy, it, it, it's it's too bad that so often our conversations are more of that nature, you know, more of that I'm right, you're wrong, and that makes me better, mm-hmm. as opposed to I don't agree with you. Why don't we have a conversation about it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, it, it, like, what we're speaking about is like. You know, you said like it, people take joy like in in the takedown. Yeah. You know, if someone posts, you know, just uh, an ill-advised tweet or an ill-advised Facebook post, like how quickly that that gets pounced upon. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think in, in wrapping this up, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to 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 our, our last episode was on the shorter side. This right. one is. Uh, 
Uh, and we're not going to apologize for that, though. So I'm going to say a couple of things. Just go back to the episode real quick. I, I personally think that this is, the, like I said, the first great episode of Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great piece of television that still stands up today. I think that it's probably so far the best acted episode that we've gotten, mm-hmm. like even across the board. To the point where, you know, Billy Joe and Toad don't even feel like caricatures. They just feel disgusting. Yeah. Aside you know? from the fact, once again, it's like, they are way too old to be playing well. the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Know, but, but, uh, Ms. Melanie, who is played by, um, Susan French, is, she's great. Uh, Scott Bakula does some amazing work. Dean Stockwell does some great work. Um, you know, the young lady that plays Nell, whose name I don't have in front of me, unfortunately. Um, and also, like, whoever does the makeup and special effects deserves some credit too because it just this episode just felt hot yeah impressive right the production <laughs> values yeah no I, I think it's, it's something mm. else that we can say the production values continue to be pretty high mm. um, um, so uh, Nell Kimberly Bailey is the actress's name she does an excellent job uh, so the acting is, is across the board really, really, really wonderful. Um, the music is on point as well. The score for this episode is different from anything else that we've gotten before. I mean, the, obviously mm-hmm. there's the theme is still there. You know, we're not we're not missing that, but it's it's a different play on it than what we've gotten in episodes previous. So the music's on point. The script is on point. Deborah Pratt actually won an award. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the let's see the. Uh, First winner of the Lillian Gish Women in Film Award for Best Writing for a Drama Series. Mm-hmm. Wrap your mouth around that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so I yeah I think it's it's the best episode of season one so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's largely credited with this is the episode that got the show renewed for a second season. Yeah, that people started to take notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that. What what I will what I will say to kind of wrap things up, going back to what we were just talking about a few moments ago, the fact that it could stimulate the kind of dialogue that we have been able to have this evening uh, is a testament to the quality of the episode. I think that we do you know live in unique times, and I know that sounds like a cliche, but I was thinking about this uh, in light of we're, we're taping this less than a week after the the terrorist incident in Las Vegas, mm. so I'm going to call it what it is. And uh, and between that happening and then Tom Petty's death, um, following that that next day, I had uh, just a rough time of wrapping my head around all of that. I was very emotionally charged, and in a way, the shooting made me numb. And then Tom Petty's death kind of opened the floodgates a bit, and uh, it, it caused me to really do a lot of thinking and do a lot of writing. And I couldn't help but think that even though it's a cliche to say we live in unique times, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that we genuinely do live in unique times. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we can take something that was written and created 28 years ago and still mine this, uh, you know, this rich conversation out of it is a testament to the quality of the writing the acting and the production values. Um, and it's a testament to the fact that we still have a long way to go and that there are important things that are worth talking about. And, um, you know, I, for one, am always as up to that conversation as anyone. And uh, so find us on Twitter and Facebook if you want to continue this conversation. And I mean that genuinely. Uh, we want to hear what, what people have to think, uh, not just about our podcast and, and this episode, but just in general. Um, we'd love to be able to stimulate that dialogue. And that might be reaching a little high and a little far for a geeky little quantum leap podcast but if if we can't have these real conversations 
that this brings on, then what the hell are we doing? So, so yeah. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Chris, Dennis and I are grateful that you were here with us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, We will. We will. I've only, what is what, like six episodes for me, and I already love the show. So awesome. Awesome. Uh, you can consider me a fan. Well, we're going to give you homework. Then. Mi- mission, ac- <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> so, uh, so I, yeah, I, 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 I hope you don't mind, uh, you know, me stepping up on my soapbox for a moment, but uh, we really appreciate all of our listeners, and uh, we can't wait to come back. Uh, with another episode next time with the Kamikaze Kid. In the meantime, we're going to leap on out of here, and uh, we'll catch you we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at www.quantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Yes.